everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 37, The Birds and the Bees. Hello, Big Chillians, and welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. Joined, as always with Eddie and Sam, although I'm not sure are you guys on talking terms because I've seen there's a little controversy right now in the English channel between the, the French and the English. Oh, I didn't know fishing. if you guys were on board for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a fierce rivalry. Sam and I are very protective of... Especially around the Channel Islands. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's cr- crazy important. Did you see also, you know, we've got a rival now in the media world. Donald Trump launched his... Uh, his new social media platform. I did. Which yeah. to me looks a lot like a blog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just get to call that a social media platform now. It did. You're right. It looked like a blog with just share functions. It was like, I'll yeah. put hey, no, I mean, this. It's, right, so only on he Instagram. can blog and then everyone can just share what he says. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just his, it's just Donald Trump's <laughs> thoughts. It's literally a blog, but you, you, I mean, it's great branding, right? Call it a social media platform. And all of a sudden it's, it's not just a blog. Yeah. Apparently engaging with comments is a social media platform. So apparently well, that's really easy yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we might have to start a big chill social media platform in that case. So I'll get on that. We could, we could have that set up pretty quickly. Yeah. By that, you just mean turn on YouTube comments. <laughs> well, we've already got that. And that's a good reminder True. to everyone, I guess, right? If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed to the Big Chill Podcast on YouTube, you can go and do so. Just search for the Big Chill Podcast. You'll find us because some content goes up on YouTube that doesn't go on the podcast itself, including a really fascinating Tiger Woods video. And, uh, and you can also search for us on Instagram and Twitter, where again, we share things that, that don't make it onto the podcast. So best way to interact with us and best way to get all of our content. The, the Donald Trump blog reminds me of the office when Creed starts his blog called Creed thoughts. And Ryan's like, even for the internet, a lot of it was shocking. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. He says, <laughs> that's exactly like Trump. Oh, that's funny. Actually, that reminds me of the office. There was a good little sports reference in the office. So for, Everyone who's a big Office fan, Jan Levinson um, gets artificially inseminated and pregnant, and Michael thinks it's like his baby, but it's not. It's just some random sperm donor. It's like a great episode, but they never revealed who the sperm donor was. But yesterday or last week or something like that on Jenna Fisher's Office podcast, they said that it was supposed to be Andy Roddick. And they just cut the scene out, but he was going to be the sperm donor. So that's that was going to be like a big joke on Andy Roddick that he was going to be in the office, but then they ended up cutting it. Kind uh, of like random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a good sense of humor, Andy Roddick. Like definitely towards the, the back end of his career, where he was always losing to Federer, and he like took it with a great deal of charm. Um, so it doesn't surprise would, me that he'd be into it. He was in the um, the Adam Sandler movie with Brooklyn Decker, uh, yeah, where they go to Hawaii and Jennifer Aniston, and then they end up 
him and Brooklyn Decker meet on a plane and they're big NSYNC fans. So it seems like he's got a sense of also, humor. Also came to the bar I used to work at and paid everyone's open tap after losing in Roland Garros. So wow. really? imagine if you had won. to him. <laughs> I mean, that's the, he, he may have figured out that, that it wasn't going to be an incredible, incredibly large total, right? Because just the concept of, for American listeners, like the tab concept, not as big in Europe and certainly not as big in France. So you're, it's not like, you know, 80% of the bar is running a tab. It's, it's a pretty small percentage of people and mostly like friends and regulars. But still, he went to pay his tab and then said, like, while I'm at it, I'll just pay all of the open tabs. And at the time, had not been recognized as Andy Roddick. He was just there incognito. Did you have to announce it? Or did you try and make a bit of extra on no, the side not like by not telling you him? Be like, drinks on Andy. <laughs> yeah. You but like, ring a bell. Could you have been, like, a little bit sleazy in that you could have not told the others that it had been paid? And then you could have just and pocketed Roddick's money. money and then taken this. I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> you <laughs> totally did it. <laughs> no, you no, also, no, no. You also could have opened up your own tab right before yeah. you close it out and put on like yeah. $500 worth of alcohol oh, no, you, as a credit. I think, <laughs> I think I, just to be clear before anyone said, I was not the one dealing with this transaction, but um, easily could have done what you suggested, Sam. Could have also just dumped another thousand euros on it and and said it was a tip you know like there's a bunch of stuff you could have done but uh none of it was he was treated very very fairly as were all of the other customers but no you don't have difficult to do that movie moment in a bar where like drinks are on the house or just because i what i like about that is someone just yells it and everyone listens and then cheers right but like you're dealing with everyone else is having a conversation and there's music playing so if you just shout drinks are on the house people are not going to pay attention to you yeah and, also, and, and, I don't, and I don't think it's it's not the bartender's responsibility to do that in the movies. No. It's the person who's doing it. It's his responsibility yeah. to be like, yeah. hey, everyone, drinks are on me. And then the bar erupts. Plus, he didn't have the attitude of someone who wanted to be recognized. So I also don't think he wanted to. Like, I just think it was like a nice gesture. Yeah, was a, another one was the Kentucky Derby last week. There was a group of people that were sitting at the bar at the at Churchill Downs. And they kept asking the bartender uh, or the waitress, something like that, what her three favorite numbers were. And then they were going, putting trifectas in and also using her numbers. And they did it for every race and they didn't win. And then they did it for the last race, even the one after the Derby, when everyone leaves, there's like that one race after. And they're like, ah, screw it. Let's just keep doing it. We're having an okay day. So she gave them the numbers and it was a huge payout. They ended up winning, I think, like $3,000. And they gave her... Uh, like 700 or like they split it evenly amongst the people and her because they wow. were her numbers so they no way i would have that. done that yeah no and way she and apparently that. like she was late on her rent and everything too so she was super pumped and she went and paid her rent that day so it's pretty cool well today we have our big follow-up to the teams that start with letter a and now today we are being our draft of teams that begin with the letter b going right down the alphabet. But before we get to our draft, it might be worth mentioning some highs and some very low lows from European football this week. <laughs> we can start with the highs. One of the teams, well, let's start with a low, because speaking <laughs> of our draft of the teams beginning, we can only teams go up. beginning with A, 
one of their one of them suffered a defeat today and their stock dropped a little bit that draft doesn't look quite so good sam not only do you support arsenal you obviously made them as you chose you drafted them as one of your selections for the best team at the beginning of the day and uh today they went out to the europa league on a 2-1 aggregate defeat after a nil-nil draw at home to villarreal how do you feel Thoughts, thoughts, <laughs> concerns, queries. Uh, yeah, it was a bad result. It, it, it there wasn't. Well, well, it was great, a bad result. I mean, the thing is, like Arsenal just played with absolutely zero urgency. They played it like they were playing for nothing in the Premier League final game of the season. They're already tenth. They can't go well, that's up what or down. Used to. That's what they. Well, that's what they're gonna have to be used for. Yeah, they play, they've played 38 matches already playing for nothing. They may as well make it's, it, you know, try and push it to an even 50 or whatever. I mean, by the end of the game, they had had two, maybe three shots on goal. It started off okay, good wing play, but just some of the decisions that Arteta was making, like bringing Lacazette on, who is top goal scorer for Arsenal in the Europa League, but swapping him out for Aubameyang, who wasn't exactly ineffective. I don't get the striker for a striker um, logic of swapping but Villarreal just game managed the tie really well but Arsenal didn't really give them much to worry about um yeah I mean as we as we spoke during the match right it's it's a perfect scenario for a Spanish team slowing the match down until they're in a situation where they need to score they can just rely on absorbing pressure keeping possession slowly eating away at the clock and obviously Unai Emery who's the manager of Villarreal former manager of Arsenal has quite the history in the Europa League, having won it three times with Sevilla and taken Arsenal to the final when he was manager there. So he clearly is a kind of knockout specialist. You know, he knows how to set the teams up. And and yeah, I think he'll have probably walked away. That was probably the perfect match for them. And yeah. uh, Arsenal did nothing to knock them out of their, out of their game plan. No, I mean... <laughs> The season's a complete dud, but maybe dud this is or failure because dud is that is like I would have called it as a season a dud if you'd won the Europa League. That would have been a dud. No, that's a success. Getting into the Champions League would have been a successful season. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? It, it, that's <laughs> we haven't been in it in five years. It would have been a good. Well, now upward trajectory. And now you're not even now in the Europa six. League. Now it's just no Europe, unless and we go honestly, into that now, third one. What's... Okay, let me let me f- flip it now. Yeah, you might be in the Europa League two or whatever they're calling it. Um, Arsenal Champions League appearances in the next ten seasons over under one point five. Uh, oh, okay. So actually, just in it season wise in it yeah okay. not not matches <laughs> i'm not implying that they might play one <laughs> match and just give up i was gonna say yes. by getting into it with the new format they would have been over one and half, and, but... and by into it i mean making it to the group stages yeah. or whatever they would that would now be called in the new 36 team format over one and a half does does the fa cup final still does an FA Cup win still get you in it? No. No, that's no, Europa, never isn't did. it? I thought we had to go to the I Europa. No, no, never did. Ah, oh, tell you what, that's so sad that I'm struggling. <laughs> like I, I think I think you don't even need to answer. You're you're you've answered already. 
the you, your gut is telling you under, but you're trying to justify picking the over. And you know, yeah. the interesting thing is we we mm. spoke before, right, about painful. And Frank mentioned that, that that Arsenal would have qualified with the new system through that coefficient, but now yeah. that coefficient is going to get killed between Ooh, now yeah, and when that system comes into place because <laughs> it's a zero next year for Arsenal. Yeah. So that's going to be the worst thing for them is the, the thing that might have kept them in it they desperately need to qualify for some European competition between now and when it actually gets implemented in, what, 2024? Is that when it's going yeah. I mean, I hope this is an opportunity to keep removing some more of that dead weight that a lot of Arsenal fans have. Who's yeah. not... Let's, let's simplify this. Who's not dead weight in that team? I think Arsenal have got some pretty exciting youngsters in there, like Saka is definitely not. Uh, Smith Rowe definitely isn't. Lacazette is still a very, very good quality. You think striker. Lacazette's good enough? I do. You think if you I want to be in the Champions League, Lacazette is good enough. I think he scored about 15, 20 goals in the Premier League, scored about seven or eight in Europa League. I think he had a pretty good go of it, considering how much Arteta didn't start him as well. But Arsenal have some good youngsters going on, like Pablo Mari at the back, um, Martinelli is good player. Um, like I said, Smith Rowe, Saka, um, they have so a structure. Just a, Lacazette has scored thirteen goals. He's played in twenty-eight matches. Uh, it, his goals per ninety is 0.62, which is fairly high, but there are obviously plenty of players well above it. Yeah, um, he he played the impact sub role, which is he also takes penalties at times, so that's. Hmm. At least two or three of those must be penalties. So, yeah. but yeah, um, I, I just think there's an opportunity to remove some more of it. Like people like Shaka are, are certainly someone that, ever since he had that hissy fit with the Arsenal fans, hasn't really kind of won back that support. I just hope there's another continuation of what Arteta had already done. Um, What's he done? Continued on mediocrity. <laughs> no, I mean, genuinely, you're speaking as if this is the first opportunity to clear out the Deadwood and that Arteta has somehow advanced that process. But I think Arsenal have been a team full of Deadwood since probably three years before Wenger left. So what's that, 10 seasons now where there's been more Deadwood than there's been live wood? <laughs> and, Eddie, uh, is, that, a, what, do you Eddie, mean is that one of your favorite shows? Oh, Deadwood, yeah. Love Deadwood. Big Western fan, if If Arsenal could have lived up to Deadwood, the TV show, With Deadwood. then they'd be doing well. Actually, I, I guess it probably mimicked Deadwood, the TV show, because that went off the air in like 2005 or whatever, and that's basically when Arsenal stopped being relevant. So, you know, Deadwood is probably an appropriate, uh, appropriate TV show for them. But I just look at that squad. If you remove the name Arsenal from it, I mean, it it you 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 finished in the right place in the league. I'll say that. Well, the league never lies, so I I I've never I mean, disagreed. It does sometimes. Are <laughs> we saying it's it. it's foolproof? Every team end of thirty eight thirty eight matches in exactly the right spot. I would say almost always yes. You would have to give me an you'd have to give me an example of someone where you felt like they didn't justify the position they're in. At some point in the last what decade? Well, I mean, I guess it, it 
League Never Lies is a diff is a difficult for one for me to argue with because because yes you, you kind of find where you're supposed to be but for example I'm not saying that if we look at the current league table right are Leicester City the third best team in the Premier League they're not they may have they just they deserve to be where they are but if other teams had performed the way that they should have Leicester would not be third and West Ham definitely wouldn't be fifth like Liverpool will not be looking at West Ham above them and going, well, we can see why they finished above us. Yeah, fine. But ultimately, you've played that over 38 games. I mean, it's very hard to say. Eddie, where do Arsenal been. sit on that list right now? <laughs> They're in a mightily impressive ninth. It's ninth. Top half. Ooh, so, remember yeah. that time Sam assured us that they'd easily be in the top half? Yeah. Got a little close, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah, sure. Yeah. He also was... He was also certain that they would catch Liverpool at one point, and they are five points behind Liverpool, having played the game more. Oh, so yeah, air out almost all the optimism. Imp- it's all the wind has been taken out of the Arsenal sails. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just hope uh, I actually. There's no sails left, Sam. I actually, the ship is, I ships at the have, bottom of the ocean. I still, I, I still have kind of faith with Arteta. Uh, I don't think I, I think that there's some. Be- encouraging signs that have come through we look more defensively solid um and that's because you have no offense <laughs> having no offense makes your defense look well we better. have in fairness getting more action that's a criticism we scored less than we did under emory but we've scored we've i mean conceded less. also have sco- yeah okay also have conceded 37 goals which on paper looks great because yes for example leicester city have conceded 39 it's it, it's 37 is pretty consistent with teams in the top, let's say, seven or eight, the teams immediately above them. That being said, they've only scored 46. So, yeah. whereas Leicester City have scored 61. Yeah. So, you know, that's. It was that really Frank shocking. Rightfully run. puts out. It's easy to. I say easy. It is easier to not concede when you are not threatening the opposition in any way. Yeah, I mean, I uh, by this logic, you should get Sam Allardyce as the next Arsenal manager. He'd fit right in. <laughs> yeah, happy jokes, happy Japeries. It's all fine. I just, I, I still have trust in Arteta's process and his logic, and I just have to look at the kind of preseason and the postseason, like really interestingly, and in what they do transfer wise, because yeah, which won't be a lot. Well, you know, let's see. I guess the Euros might change some stuff, right? Um, so, yeah, but I, I will give you credit. This podcast has definitely really revealed the fact that you are an inter- an eternal optimist, and uh, that stays true. I guess we can then move <laughs> on. It's worth noting that Manchester United will play Villarreal in the final in no way surprising, given the fact that they'd won the first leg six two. Um, so, you know, that was. Never in a high scoring semifinal, two matches. Was, yeah. was it eight five? Yeah. 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 And then in the Champions League, uh, Manchester City knocked PSG out on Tuesday. They won 2 0 at home to win the tie 4 1 on aggregate. Is, is knocked the right word, Eddie, or maybe stomped is a better word to describe that match? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, City were by far and away the better team. I don't know if I'm even going to give City saying stomps. PSG were so pathetic in that second leg. In that final half an hour, especially. Yeah. I mean, it's a team with absolutely no backbone. Yeah. 
and just it turns out that having a bunch of whiny showboats as your leaders great when you're playing well not so great when your backs are up against the wall that's exactly i mean i was i I was directly referencing one of them there with my stomped comment oh the de maria (laughs) sending off yeah (laughs) which was so stupid and just petulant and like in the modern era i don't understand you could have done that 10 years ago and got away with it because maybe no one would have seen it but now with video replays how on you have to be so stupid to be doing something like that you know you're going to get sent off and which and yeah for for me watching that made me so angry because as much as i dislike fighting in hockey i think there are instances where fighting is acceptable in hockey and one of them is when an opposing player does something extremely dirty to one of your teammates and you have full full support of your team to just go out there and beat the crap out of that guy and that is an instance where i would have loved to seen a few city players just go and beat the shit out of the Maria there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it is such, it Not is such people a weak you. and petty move. Like it, uh, it's and just when you watch it, you're just like, what an asshole. But also too, right? Because of the nature of the, and the metatarsal injury is one that England football fans are very familiar with, but with, the thin boots that they wear, if you stomp hard on the top of someone's foot, you can do real damage. Like, And football players are often accused to be pathetic for, you know, like rolling around on the ground, and they often are. But when it comes to having someone with a stud step on your foot, like it really genuinely hurts. So he, oh, could, have, yeah. he could have done a ton of damage, which is, that's the thing that's, it's you know, it's not just one of those, it's not like slapping someone in the face where, okay, it's, it's aggressive and annoying, but you're not going to, you know, rule someone out. But thing for PSG, it means Di Maria now is suspended for their next three Champions League matches. So that will roll over to next season. Probably doesn't matter because they'll probably have an easy group, but still. But yeah, I just, I, I, do, I, I dislike them so much as a team. And that was every reason why. Yeah. I, what, what was so good about that as well was just the contrasting sides right so psg looked looked pretty good or man city looked not so great in the first half of the first leg and then the character and the maturity of the man city team to then come through in the second half and then you just see it the other way around with psg right when it's going well as any mentioned like when it's going well it's fine they're really good they're playing they've got smiles on their faces but the second it's going against them the second that city goal went in the second one you just knew that the toys were getting thrown out the pram and they were just going to show that lack of maturity that they have through that squad. So it was thoroughly satisfying to see them implode the way they did. But yeah, credit to Man City. They look they look pretty awesome at the moment. Yeah, and, and Bayern must be kicking themselves because they must look back and let's say, I mean, A, the first leg where they should have scored, you know, half a dozen to a dozen. Yeah. But in the second leg, not being able to get the second goal that would have forced, you know, might have brought that bad character out of PSG. They must really be kicking themselves for that. But the, the contrast between PSG and City, obviously City overall have the better players. But as you kind of touched on there, you just have to admire the, the sort of character that Pep Guardiola instills because you have some incredibly talented attacking players who just put in a ton of work defensively. Like the likes, you see their wingers track all the way back to pick people up. Kevin De Bruyne is all over the pitch trying to close people down. Phil Foden the same. And 
you know, those are players who in other systems would either see it as not their responsibility or even if they were being told to do it might say, look, I'm, I'm here to score goals, to create goals. Like someone else can do that. So just the fact that Guardiola has those players bought into the degree that they all do it. And when you then see that contrasted with PSG, it's, it's pretty impressive. And it was another one of Phil Foden's kind of coming out parties, right? And he continues to <laughs> deliver in big moments. Not that kind of party. Not the kind of party you've had before, Sam. Wow. You heard it here first on the Big Chill podcast. <laughs> but yeah. But no. Um, but yeah. So, and they will be playing Chelsea in the final. So an all-English affair. And uh, Chelsea managed to get through against a very limp-looking Real yeah. Madrid side. Yeah. Just didn't really turn up and didn't really ask very many questions of Chelsea in the second leg in which all they needed to do was score a goal to make things interesting. Now, is is that usage of the word limp, Eddie, also a reference to a Real Madrid player? <laughs> Are you also using that for this one, too? No, no it was unintentional. Is there a story you've got for us somewhere? <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I just... And surprising for a team that has, under Zidane, right, delivered in the Champions League consistently, you kind of felt like, and Chelsea are good, but they're not exactly one of the best teams in Europe. So, Yeah. Um, Although, as you mentioned about Foden at Man City, another standout player in that Chelsea team is Mason Mount. And they are firing at, the what, 30 days before the Euro starts? You know, it, it, like England's front line, as the season is progressing, it, those players are just looking better and better and better. And I really hope it continues on to the Euros. But... Uh, yeah, they'll probably just injure each other in the Champions League final. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just some self self destruction going on. But yeah, yeah. No, did you see right. the um, did you see the Hazard, the Eden Hazard uh, controversy that's come up where basically you know Real Madrid put in such a tame performance and then he's seen kind of laughing and joking with his former Chelsea colleagues. Um, I, I see that the kind of Spanish media has kind of taken off a little bit about that. I don't know what you guys think. You know, ties over, they've lost, but Hazard doesn't look like he's exactly bothered about it. He's just laughing and joking with his old mates. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm very old school in that respect. I don't like players talking before or after a game, really. I think you shake hands, say good, you know, like, well done and good luck, and then you're you're off the pitch. I don't want any exchanges beyond that. And before a match, I definitely don't want people laughing and joking with each other. But it's old-fashioned. It just doesn't. <laughs> no, it is, you know. I kind of sound like Roy Keane saying that. But but uh, really, I, I, don't want, I don't want to watch my team lose and then see one of the players I support like laughing and joking as he goes off. It's just not, a, not the right look. Yeah, just doesn't help yeah, his it stock was, either. It doesn't help his stock because he's been injured a lot and it's been unfortunate. But he's had that perception like is he putting shifts in is he is there a laziness about hazard uh, and then you start to see that kind of casual nature of him taking a loss don't worry in the semi-final. sam hazard doesn't need to worry about his future he probably knows exactly where he's going because if there's ever been a player who has arsenal written all over him <laughs> it is the 2021 eden hazard well just Every once in a while, turning in a world-class performance, but push comes to shove week in, week out, a bit shit. And that's exactly 
you and you'll be able to cream yourself when he scores four <laughs> goals against against well, like, Norwich in November. But then in matches that actually matter, he'll either be missing because he's injured or he just won't turn up. Wow, and that will be perfect. Got him for me tonight. I'd, it's a shame that Real Madrid have said that they're not selling Odegaard because I'd rather keep that Real Madrid player. He's a bit more of a workman than Hazard is. Do you um, think? Do you think Odegaard would would stick with Arsenal? He's already said with he, no European. He, well, funnily enough, he's he already said that, said be, that he did. He say that after tonight, or before <laughs> that, Sam? Yeah, yeah, weirdly enough, he's suddenly been really quiet. <laughs> like, uh, no, no, no. He said it before that he finds it really. Um, he's found it really easy settling in with Arsenal and in London, <laughs> unless that's a hint to go to like Chelsea or Spurs. But um, yeah, but yeah. So poor performance from Madrid performance from Arsenal but here we are with an almost all English combination uh, Man City what Chelsea could have been Man U Villarreal um, are we going Man U Man City winners or any surprises from the initial I think it will be City and United it would be very Chelsea like to win the Champions League this year I will say that but City must go into that match feeling as if they are very confident because obviously they know the opposition inside out. It's, I think in, it's one of those situations where you must be happy that it's an all English affair. They might not have felt that way if it had been one of the stronger teams. And, you know, if it had been, if it had been United who've had a history of getting good results against them, that might've worried them or just Liverpool because you know how good they can be if everything clicks. But I think Chelsea, they'll just feel like they know what they need to do and they're just fundamentally better all over the pitch. But I mean, you don't uh, think they're worried at all that the, Chelsea already ha- has them beat in a final this year. I mean, in a oh, semi-final, semi-final, semi-final. Yeah, yeah, semi-final. Semi-final. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. Look, I'm, I'm not saying that they're they're already sort of pr- you know print having their name engraved on the trophy, but like Chelsea are a capable side. But I think if if you told City at the beginning of the season they were going to make it to the Champions League final and be playing Chelsea. It's hard to imagine a much easier opponent in a Champions League final, and that's with the utmost respect to Chelsea. But like you are talking about Europe's premier club competition, and you're up against the f- fourth best team in England. You know, I mean, it's it's you'd be pretty pleased. As for United against Roma, I mean, against uh, well, yeah, <laughs> against Villarreal. Yeah, I think they'd also be be pretty happy. Speaking of Man U, Roma. Would they have been happier if it was Arsenal? No, I think this no. is the reverse. Yeah. I think I think even though they would have they would have felt confident either way, because they're definitely the better team on paper against either of those sides. But I just think they'll be Arsenal have I think more potential to be very good on their day. I think Villarreal they'll kind of feel like that's a te- that's like a third gear team, if you see what I mean. And, Thank you. Uh, Eddie. United will be. What do you mean? You think? Oh, that was a compliment. You lost. Well, I, I, I just haven't heard. <laughs> a, I just haven't heard in a sentence you use the words Arsenal and good. So. Oh, that's not fair. I predict. I thought they were going to qualify, <laughs> but just also for context, then. So City are four to nine to win the Champions League. Chelsea are seven to four, and in the Europa League, United are four to nine, and Villarreal are seven to four. So. Good double. Not a bad double. Money. Not a bad double. Even money money on the double? It is a... 
one point zero eight. Double. It's not, not bad. bad. It's not bad. So, uh, you mentioned Roma uh, accidentally, but uh, we had the surprise. Uh, Jose Mourinho getting um, getting appointed. Jo- Jose, Jose, come on, come Jose. on, Sam, we're better than this. Jose. <laughs> no, it's Jose. <laughs> we've had we've had like twenty years to learn this. Portuguese, Jose. Jose. Spanish, Jose. So sorry, he's got Cinco de Mayo on the mind. A <laughs> yeah. uh, bit of a surprise. Uh, heard that he's taking a massive, like salary hit from his severance with Spurs to take this job as well. But um, everyone seems a bit shocked by this appointment. I guess the people that might be annoyed are Chris Smalling and um, Mkhitaryan, who both <laughs> never got on with Mourinho, fled to Italy, and have now had him catch up with them. But uh, yeah, certainly seemed like a surprise appointment to me. I, look, I've got a, res- a lot of respect for Mourinho because whenever he loses a job, he speaks about the fact that he just ca- he loves football and he just wants to be back in football. And his career makes that obvious. Is so surprising in the sense that I wouldn't have necessarily picked Roma. I'm not surprised he was back involved as quickly. He's not one of those managers who wants to sit for two seasons just picking up money and making TV appearances. He obviously hates that. Um, but I think. It's a inter- it's kind of like the perfect Mourinho level challenge in some respects because Syria is very winnable at the moment. Inter Milan are good, but it's not like a few years ago where Juventus appeared unbeatable and rivaling them was going to be tough. It does feel like if you if Roma did made some good moves in the summer, they could it it feels similar to when he went to Inter in in all honesty. Um so the one thing that really bothered me, I don't know if you saw, I think it was Ryanair or EasyJet took a dig <laughs> at him in one of their advert in their like social media campaign. No, what they say. What is with these companies now getting really sassy on their like Twitter accounts and stuff? <laughs> just like random companies just go after people now. It's so weird. Yeah. So I, I don't know the exact wording of it, but it was something along the lines of, Oh, Jose's taking the job in in Rome. Good news for him. Uh, we have like X number of flights from London to Rome on a daily basis. That's fine if you want that as your advertising campaign. But then they threw in the dig, and uh, we guess he won't have any extra baggage charge, considering that he won't have to be taking any trophies from Spurs to Rome. Some, you know, like something. The wording was along those lines it's just like he wasn't in spurs for very long at spurs for very long and he was sacked the week before a cup final so trying to attack him for not winning any trophies seems a little bit unfair it just if you're gonna go for the sassy dig it's gotta be more intelligent than that it reminds me of uh like i think this was last month when steakums went after neil degrassi tyson (laughs) did you see that one no surprisingly that didn't make it onto my radar (laughs) I think uh, so. Degrassi Tyson tweeted out the good thing about science. Wait, is how that... are you saying his name? What? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Degrassi. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> oh, it, it sounded like Degrassi. <laughs> oh, like the TV show with Drake? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Neil Drake Degrassi Tyson. 
said, the good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe in it. And then Stakem just replied, log off, bro. (laughs) (laughs) See, that one, I don't know why they're doing it, but that one makes me laugh. That's the most random target. Like, that's the weirdest moment to decide to hit someone. Like the, 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 it's a uh, frozen steak company. But the, <laughs> what are they doing? The companies that allow their social media, like managers to turn, to just use them as assholes. I kind of like that. Like Wendy's is pretty famous for it, right? And like KFC gets pretty into it too at times. Yeah. Patty like Power. That kind of doesn't bother me, but they, they go after the individual, not just like famous people hunting, but like just responding sarcastically to people complaining about stuff. I'm all for that, but you have to commit. Like I have to admire the the person who gave the okay to that because it could have gone horrifically wrong. Now, I guess speaking a little bit about social media, obviously, um, Sam, last last episode, you got a little bit upset. You didn't like the fact that that social media performance was in any way going to reward golfers, and now there is the prospect following hot on the heels of the European Super League in football, there is the possibility of a, a golf Super League. And you have to say that with this now leaking or being announced, the fact that the PGA was putting together that $40 million bonus makes even more sense. Yeah. Because they must have been aware of this, and that was their attempt to kind of appease some of the bigger names in golf. Yeah. So the, the premise is that... 11, is it 11, 10 to 12 players or something like that have been approached to get an insane amount of money that sounds like Saudi Arabian led uh, in terms of like playing. And essentially it would become match play between them for high amounts of money, essentially at select courses throughout the globe. It's Saudi backed. And 11 players have been approached and they've been offered contracts of worth between 30 to $50 million each to take part in the league. Which in golf is just um, an insane amount of money. I mean, is it? For th- yeah, it is because it, it's, it's not dependent upon winning. Like, yes, no, you can but- win that kind of money in golf, but you have to win to make that kind of money. You don't just get that much for showing up to the Masters. Whereas here... You're just getting that to show up, and then you can get more if you win. And then the sponsorship that they've probably negotiated, yeah. TV rights that they've negotiated. I, I mean, th- this one to me is a little more tricky than a team sport because I understand the fans' opposition in the team sport, taking your team away from your league and everything. You know, you know like you support that team and everything it stands for. But in golf, it's an individual sport, so you're a fan of the the player so it to me it doesn't matter as much where that player is playing in as long as you're seeing the person you root for still play and still win and still beat the best I'm not as opposed to it as as a team sport one I think if I'm a golfer I would seriously consider it with what you know I don't get what the major downside is is that you can no longer win, you know, like a major. Oh, okay, I, that if if that's, that's what huge you want downside. to be a pro that, golfer for, that's what it, it is. But at it is, but I think at the end of the day, if you're someone who's won a decent amount of majors and won already, I kind of like the idea of saying I don't really care so much anymore. I'm just going to collect my massive paycheck and 
live out the rest of my life. I guess they've all, they've all of the players involved have already collected massive paychecks. Right. So yes, I'm not, and have won majors more money. Um, with the exception of Justin Rose, he's in it, right? He's not won a major. He has won the Olympics. Yeah, big deal. But, but Whoa, <laughs> not to deal, knock it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool to say you've got but, a gold medal, but when you say like in golf, it, it's, it it's, just it's one of the worst. It's one of the worst. But the um, I, I do get where you're coming from. I mean, Rory McIlroy has come out opposing this very vocally and part of the reason why he is is he says he plays the game of golf to cement his place in history i don't know what place he's been cementing for the last few <laughs> oh years. he was on the <laughs> front cover of the ea sports game <laughs> well a while ago yeah a long time he ago. said he's been it, approached for like the past seven years or something yeah yeah starting which seven makes sense years rory's ago. such a popular player that you would want him involved i mean he, that's a big missing sort of because he's got personality he's well liked uh but but yeah i mean and I'm a, i'd assume you'd be you wouldn't be eligible to play in the Ryder cup i'm guessing that's so one of the be things, a lot of things that's one of the things i thought because the pga basically said you're you don't play in anything on the tour in any form whether it's european side or u.s side you're basically banned from anything except this Super League if you did sign up to it. But my my problem is, because Frank's point's correct about this being a player-led thing, how do you how do you get into it? Because obviously these players will retire or they'll lose some sense of like their fame or their branding pull. What, do they just invite people and then it's just a case of accepting or I not accepting? So. Is it like an auction? Like what's the No, I guess they must plan on continuing to invite people. The and on paper, I can see why it might be interesting. The prospect of seeing the world's best players, because we all like it when, like, when you look back at the Masters, the recent Masters, it's fun a little bit to see some of the lesser known players get involved on a Sunday. But I think most golf fans would admit, fundamentally, I want to see some of the big names duel it out. Like, when you turn in, you know, it's much more exciting at the Open or the Masters if it's Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, Rory all within one or two shots of each other and you kind of got kind of really dueling it out. And so I can see why this seems, but if they did it week in, week out or month in, month out, however often these tournaments would take place, it would just get boring. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think don't you lose some value when teams play each other a thousand times. So I think that would also happen in golf. The same thing if players just played each other every week. The other, the other part of this that I still don't get that kind of confuses me is the whole, uh, I don't know how to put it, that the PGA thinks that they are what they are and can dictate. I think it's a little unfair that they say, if you participate in this, you cannot participate in the PGA Tour anymore. You, you know, wow. like I, I don't understand how no one is kind of addressing that aspect of it. Where I get that they're a governing body, but how are they? It, it almost seems like they're controlling the players. I mean, if a player no, no. has an opportunity to make money, why can't he go make money and then come back and play in the Masters? Because obviously, if this is successful, the PGA will make less money. Like, there's no way. There's. It's not an infinite pot of money that golf can just tap into. And if this were to really take off and really be popular, even if 
in the in just in its current format there would just be less money because for example say this event is taking place on a weekend and i don't know the you know texas open is taking place on the same weekend well obviously all the tv the companies are going to want to put on dustin johnson v tiger woods with spieth versus you know brooks kapka over watching the 58th best player in the world maybe win a tournament so the pga will lose money as a result which hurts the game of golf in the same way that when we spoke about the european super league and in the long term, if this rival league was super successful, the PGA might just cease to exist because there might come a moment where they just expand this format. And they say, well, now we're not just the top 10 or top 20 players in the world. We'll do leagues and maybe you get promoted. So we'll do the top 20 players are in one bracket and then we'll go 20 to 40 in another. So as a PGA, in order to protect yourself, I think you have to shoot this down. It's a little bit like if we all went into work and said, Hey, just so you know, I'm I'm taking a second job, but I can still turn up, right? And you're still going to pay me. And most companies would say, "No, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't do this." As particularly if the second job you're taking directly harms your initial job. It's like I'm just going to go work for a competitor. I hope you guys don't mind. Like, I promise, when I turn up here, I'll, I'll be really focused yeah. on this company. But when I leave, I'm going to be really focused on that company. Yeah, exactly. And also there's just things like player representation, unionizing within the PGA as well. There's lots of things that are very established to help players out during the golfing year or the golfing calendar that potentially could cease to exist. So you can't really have this scenario. It's like, I'm going to go do that massive money thing and make tons of money, but I still want all the stuff that the PGA can give me after hundreds of years of you know golf formulation to get to this point hope that's okay like it, it just doesn't wash as a a kind of good thought but also a lot of these players are going to be european or american like i would if, if i was in that position and someone said to me by doing this you will never be in the Ryder cup that would be one of the biggest downers to this scenario well sam i hate to break it to you you'll never be in the Ryder cup yeah. <laughs> well, we could all dream <laughs> i hope that's not too much of a disappointment after the arsenal defeat yeah, but you're right. And look, the other thing is too, it would just harm if they said, oh, Dustin Johnson, you can go and do this. But like when you want to pitch up for the Masters, it's fine. A, they'll be taking a ma- Like, How do you qualify to be in it? I guess the Masters is simple enough because if you're if you've won it previously, but otherwise you're, n- you're not going to play in enough events necessarily to be eligible to play in, say, the US Open. So what they're going to just allow you to turn up and take that away from someone who's you know, gone through all of the crappier tournaments in the PGA tour. But I mean, part of me feels like I almost want it to be tested because I'm one of those people. It's like when we talk about paying, paying college athletes and I'm totally in favor that college athletes should be receiving like a, they should be able to make money off their own rights and they should be receiving some sort of payment in the form of guaranteed scholarships and lifetime healthcare and, you know, pensions and stuff that they are being paid into for their service. Like in the very least, I'm a big believer in that. However, the one argument when people talk about college athletes being paid is I don't think anyone really cares who the quarterback is for Alabama. They just want to watch Alabama play football. And if Alabama get worse, it doesn't matter. People are still going to want to go. Like college football could be 10 times worse than it is today. And people will still watch Alabama play another big school. It would be interesting to see if golf 
if the standard of golf significantly dropped because the top 20 players in the world left, would people just be like, actually, do you know what? I don't actually care about watching Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson. I just want to see an exciting finish. I can convince myself that a good finish to the Masters is always better than watching someone play golf at a higher level. I, I think you just hit it right there. I think it would depend on the tournament. I think you would still have people turn up to watch the Masters, to watch the Open, to watch the U.S. Open, no doubt, because you want to see a good finish in one of the biggest tournaments of the year. But whether you're going to watch the Valerio Open, if there's no big players in it anymore and it's a pretty meaningless tournament overall, then I think you are going to lose a ton of fans there at those other tournaments where the draw is we have three of the top five players in this tournament this week, you know, but we also discussed with the super league, if it were to happen, then maybe everything would just shift down and you would still get the three out of the top five PGA players in that tournament. They're just not going to be named Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods and, and others. So it would be interesting to see if you do just see a shift, like we talked about how, you know, Leicester would now become the, the top of the premier league. If, if the super league existed or something like that. So we're talking about golfers here, obviously, and uh, I guess that we can move on to the best teams beginning with B draft. And I, I guess it's interesting that we didn't open up the possibility of drafting individuals. So no golfers, no no tennis players, no snooker players, I guess, too. But uh, come to think of it, not that many great golfers whose names, surnames, begin with B. But So we're saying that Sevi is B, yeah. Even though you would almost always recognize the Sevi. Well, in the same way, the the same sometimes? rules that we've applied to how team names qualify as Bs, I think with individual sports it would have to be last name. Like you couldn't tennis though. You got you got some some Bs. You've got Boris. Yeah, Boris, Boris Becker. Becker. Uh, Borg. Yeah, Borg. You have the Brian brothers, who are the the best tennis male tennis players of all doubles yes. players of all time so you, you now that that's technically a team i guess uh <laughs> someone wanted to throw them into the uh into the team draft so you could you could have done that novak bokovic <laughs> <laughs> yeah well maybe next season we'll move on to individuals and we'll do that draft just uh seeing how popular this this segment has turned into but i guess last last week for the a's I drafted Frank. You drafted first. Sam drafted second, and uh, I drafted third. This time we'll mix it up, and so this time around, Sam, you can draft first. I will draft second, and Frank will draft third. So, all right, let's kick this off. Let's go now. Cue the music, Eddie. Observation, observation. B had a lot of good clubs. It did, and yeah, but before was, before yeah. you make your pick, I guess for potentially a new listener who has no idea what we're talking about, we are drafting three teams each in a snake style draft, and the sports it's sports teams beginning with B. And our rule basically was for American sports teams, it is their nickname that counts. So the Atlanta Hawks are an H, not an A. And for European sports teams, it's based on the city of in which they are based. So Manchester United are an M, not a U. And uh, on that note, Sam, you can kick us off. 
you know what? First round, first pick, you've got to go with the what you think is the biggest and Barcelona are the numero uno of this. So they've won 26 La Ligas, 31 Copa del Reyes, just talking domestically here, but also they play in arguably the most famous derby in the world with the El Clasico against Real Madrid. That's an interesting question. Um, I w- yeah, I'd say it's prob- certainly with the name El Clasico. That's what it has going for it. It's better than just calling it like the Manchester Derby or the Merseyside yeah. Derby. The, the fact that it's got El Clasico makes it probably pushes it above the rest. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, arguably play at one of the most famous stadia as well, the New Camp. Uh, interestingly, they've had 12 Ballon d'Or winners, which is uh, a pretty high amount. Um, they've had some absolutely fantastic players as well. Like just thinking kind of from the Brazilian cohort, like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, and then going through to like the, the Spanish quality that comes through people like Guardiola, uh, Puyol, uh, one of my favorite players in FIFA of times got old, Carlos Puyol, weirdly fast, <laughs> made no sense. But, um, also just recently with Barcelona, like not, not, not recently as in right now, but, um, under Guardiola, that, that that was widely considered the maybe one of the best sides of all time. They won something like fourteen trophies in four years under Guardiola. Um, during that time, uh, kind of widely brought that tick attacker style of football back. But Barcelona have always been there. They're one of the institutions in football, one of like the powerhouses, and one of the most famous clubs. So I I I think there's a lot of good teams would be, but that one was the standout for me. Hard to argue with it. I think they are the they're the Trevor Lawrence of the of the B draft. Uh, I think it had to be taken first, and uh, you know you can dislike them, but it's hard to hard to say that anyone else should have been taken above them. So I can't really knock it as a pick. It was the obvious choice. It's not exciting. It's not sexy, but it's it's the right pick. Like me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Trying to work out how much you've insulted and how much you've complimented yourself with that one. Seems more of an insult than anything else, but okay. Two insults followed by a compliment. Yeah, the right. But anyway, over to round. The second pick. This is interesting. Right. It's kind of a little bit like the NFL draft. I think there's some more of, like, there's some obvious second-ish choices, but... It's not like the clear number one in the one spot. Uh, my second pick is going to be the Chicago Bulls. I think. Oh, terrible pick. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. But I think, you know, great, greatest, uh, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time with Michael Jordan. Um, I think, you know, one of the most famous athletes of all time. The 90s Bulls, as famous of a team worldwide as probably has ever been seen as popular as a team. I think probably no other team at any single moment in history has been as popular as the Bulls were in the Jordan era. Back, you know, two three-peats in the 90s. Uh, you know, one never lost the finals. They were, I think they're the only team to have ever made the playoffs in the NBA in their first season of existence. Obviously, it setting aside the year that the NBA started, <laughs> but uh, they, <laughs> uh, 
up until when the Warriors came around, that 72 win season was, you know, the the greatest NBA season in history. I think still based on the strength of the league at the time, you might argue still is. A host of great players, greatest coach of all time, possibly in Phil Jackson. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty simple one for me. Go ahead, tell me why it's a terrible pick, Frank. I mean, they're not even halfway to as many championships as the Lakers. Not even halfway. How can they be that good of a team if they're not even in the same sentence as the best team in the NBA? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm gonna. I, it's. I'm not, I don't really care how many titles a team won in the 50s 60s and 70s almost like i'm i'm judging the modern era of sports that's the those are the parameters i've kind of set for myself so and and i'm not saying that those are the rules of the draft in general but that is how i am assessing the teams that i'm taking and again i just think peak chicago bulls it's as famous and as good as any other team that will be drafted in this b section and so for that reason i think they are worthy of the second pick you're right. I am basically drafting the Chicago Bulls from around 1988 to 1998. Yeah. That is what I'm I'm picking. A, You're basically drafting Michael Jordan. Kind of. <laughs> You're finding a loophole to draft Michael Jordan. Sort of. My, Michael yes. Jordan. <laughs> sort of. I'm basically drafting Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Phil Jackson. But, uh, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm I am drafting arguably the most famous athlete of all time. I mean, yeah, the branding's there. No, the branding's there. I agree with you. Like, yeah, see, I'm surprised you took the balls over Bayern Munich. I don't, I don't understand how you could do that. I mean, obviously I think you're, you're going to have your reasons and you're going to roast it, but I ha I can't pass them. I, up. I can't roast. I, figured out this I can't as roast Bayern as a pick. Like it's, it's, they're clearly, are a first round pick. There's no doubt about that. However, I'm just saying peak bulls rival anything. So I'm taking the peak bulls, but you can you can take Byron and, and make the argument for why just picking yeah, a team. Yeah, I mean I think longevity has to has to play into picking a, a greatest sports team. I understand they had a good run, but here you're looking at the FIFA Club of the Century, they're had the third ranking in FIFA Club of the Century ahead of Barcelona. If you look at the International Federation of Football history, they are number five all time of European clubs in the 20th century. And they're number two all time top 25 European Champions Club Cups and Champions League rankings. So ahead of Barcelona again. So arguably they could have been the first pick. And I am I am sitting right now like the New England Patriots and Mac Jones just falls into my lap, except if Mac Jones were the greatest European football team in, in the world, then that's what just fell into my the lap. The greatest European football team in the world. I would have picked them. <laughs> um, I would have picked them ahead of Barcelona even. Oh, and that's, that's I, ridiculous. With the number three pick. No. No, no, that's no, ridiculous. No, no, no. Bayern, Bayern are a European juggernaut. They're part of the European elite. I'll agree with you on all that. But Barcelona had to be the number one pick. Yeah, my thing with Barcelona is I, they're just so hateable. 
And I think that kind of plays into it a little bit. I, I, I just don't like them, you know, and, and I, I, I hate Byron less. Although they are notorious for going out and just stealing everyone else's players in their own league and then turning around and playing them. So I guess in Germany, they're probably pretty hated, but I think on a worldwide scene, they're less hated. But I did not think I didn't even prepare to be able to draft this team. I thought as the third pick, I was they were not falling to well, me. Well, once again, that so just I'm shows happy, you've admitted happy to take it. You've admitted to the listeners that you don't prepare well for this draft. That's the only thing that's become week in, week out, it's becoming obvious. Last <laughs> last week you had your draft board destroyed by other people's picks. And this week you weren't even prepared to take the take a team with a third choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean what a, what a lucky surprise and, and, for me! And now it's great. And and then now wow us because you're you're right back up again with your fourth pick, well your second the, yeah. the draft's fourth. Yeah, this is you know now now I feel like I have a solid draft because now I'm going back across the pond to North America, and I am drafting the Boston Bruins of the NHL, founded in 1924. They're the first American franchise of the NHL. So they're one of the originals and they're the first American one. Everyone else before them was Canadian. They have a streak of 30 straight playoff appearances, 30 years in a row. Not only has no hockey team ever come close to that, no team in North America in any sport has come close to making 30 straight playoffs. They have 47 Hall of Famers, arguably the greatest defenseman in Bobby Orr and Ray Bork and the most iconic hockey photo of all time with Bobby Orr floating in midair after he scores the game winning goal in the Stanley cup. That's like an iconic photo with the Boston Bruins logo right on his chest. You have Cam Neely who played for them, who was in dumb and dumber as Seabass. Can't beat that. I don't think any of you have any dumb and dumber references in your picks. You're correct. They've won. <laughs> You're 100% correct. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yo. <laughs> They've won seven Stanley Cups, I believe. I think they're second or third. But it's just a – when you think hockey and you think the United States hockey, the Boston Bruins are hockey. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there because Texas. when I think hockey, I think white people. And when I think Boston sports, I think racists. And when I think the Boston Bruins, I think the racist, the most racist hockey team out there. And it's interesting, right? Because with your A, you had to pick Alabama, and with your B, you got to pick the Boston Bruins. So you might not be, you don't might not be amassing the best sports teams there. Oh, but, and also, Eddie, he he picked a exactly. You definitely, <laughs> you'll know about that. You're definitely picking the most racist possible teams out there. But yeah, I mean, that's the real knock on them, right? They have repeatedly harassed uh black players in the nhl and uh you know if, if, if that's what you stand for frank you'll stand for anything <laughs> see i i drafted tactically there because i knew that you were going to stay i i knew that Bayern and barca were going to be up there as very obvious ones but i knew you were going to stay in the states so i tried to avoid any draft conflicts there and you just picked what i like my safe american ones were they not picked so <laughs> tactical draft right here so now it goes back to eddie right it does and i'm in i'm in a 
a little bit of a tricky sp- spot here. Uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> it's it's not a strong position to be in. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm just going to have to go with my heart. And I am selecting Blackburn Rovers as my second pick. Founder member. I touched on, right, I, I picked Aston Villa as uh, last, last week as an A on the grounds that they were a founding member of the Football League and a founding member of the Premier League. Only three clubs meet that criteria. Blackburn Rovers are also one of them. They are also the only founding member of the Football League and founding member of the Premier League to have won both. So they have that going for them. Uh, First team to win three FA Cups in a row, only matched by Arsenal. They have, I think, the most iconic owner in English football history, perhaps even world football history in Jack Walker, the story of a sort of local boy done good who buys his club and then spends the money trying to put them push their way to the very top of the, of the football pyramid. Uh, Alan Shearer in his prime is a vastly underrated player in world football. I think there's maybe never been a better goal scorer. Certainly there's never been a better goal scorer in the Premier League. But I think even comparing him with if, – if, if Shearer hadn't been English and if he hadn't been playing for Blackburn at the time that he was really in his prime, I think he would be much sort of held in higher regard internationally than he is. That's – need I really say more? I think those are some pretty strong arguments for for why they are one of the best bees around. And no – they well, I wouldn't say that. But I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls and Blackburn. I don't think this is the strongest draft <laughs> so far. But yeah, you are a look, loser. For, <laughs> for me, for me, it's look. I fully, I fully get what you're saying. I, I did Arsenal last time, right? So I fully understand the. Um, the don't compare with your heart. Don't compare Blackburn I, with Arsenal. We're talking about one team with real history and the other team that's only been relevant for about thirty years. <laughs> Oh, because you're really relevant at the moment. Yeah. Who won the Premier League first, Sam? (laughs) Oh, you mean between Arsenal and Blackburn. (laughs) Sorry, I was like, well, it wasn't Blackburn. (laughs) Also, let's not forget that the famous moment, teammates getting into a fight with one another in the uh, Champions League, you know, just uh, broke the world record for the transfers when they bought, uh, bought Alan Shearer. Then also had it broken when Alan Shearer was sold to Newcastle. I mean, just you know, again, I'm I'm kind of drafting prime '90s, basically as my draft. You know, if if we had limited to yeah, teams, you're just drafting your childhood. Eddie. Yeah, basically, <laughs> I'm just desperately trying to recapture what it was like to be me at eight years old, and I think that could apply. I could apply that to every aspect of my life. <laughs> We're going to get some local cricket team now and wait for like the next one. <laughs> All right, Sam. I, no, I get it. I get it. I get Blackburn. Yeah, you have but, to take your, okay, your I team. Get, yeah, it's hard to argue against them as well because they are a famous institution in British football as well and global football. To an I've just changed. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and that's the okay. other thing, right? Uh, no, I, I want, I've just changed who my next pick is going to be and it's going to be amazing. I've won the draft. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So I get two now. 
right? So I finish my draft here, six and seven. But you have to give All them right. to him in the order. You can't say either order. So that way we can rip yeah. on your pick. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, because I know that this one's okay, I'm going to go with Benfica. Wow. As my pick. I'm gonna go with Benfica. I had them. Um, I had them on my list. That's where I thought they were gonna go, number three or four for me. So let's hear process. So they won the big three in Portugal, founded really early on, 1904. Um, with great fun fact, they have the highest percentage of fans in their own country in Europe, which is quite interesting. Uh, they're the most decorated team uh, in Portuguese history in terms of domestic competitions, um, but. Again, the the issue here is I'm drafting Benfica from a time period, right? I'm not drafting Benfica like now. I'm drafting them as an institution now, not as the team now. So their success was massive between like the 60s and 80s. Um, their most famous player, Eusebio, uh, for kind of fans, was the top goal scorer in the 1966 World Cup, oh, uh, the one that England won. And I think that Benfica have always been kind of a very famous institution going through European football, uh, sometimes not at the highest level, but um, I, I think they're an extremely famous club and um, it's one of the reasons why I put in them there. Yeah, I also came across that fact that they had the highest percentage of supporters of any club. I thought that's pretty cool. No repost, perfect. I'll just move on then. <laughs> so, all right, so pick seven, going away from Europe, but staying with soccer, is Boca Juniors. So this is a very famous club in Argentina. They are extremely decorated. So they have won 34 equivalent Premier Division titles. Uh, obviously, they've gone through some changes. 14 domestic cups. Uh, but with their like internationally recognized with all of those leagues and cups and um, continental competitions, they're the third most decorated team in the world behind Real Madrid and Al-Iti, Al-Ahi, I think a Saudi club, Al-Ahi, can't remember. It's a weird one. But then there's Boca. And going back to El Clasico, what is better than a Clasico? A Super Clasico. So the Boca Juniors versus River Plate uh, game is probably one of the fiercest derbies, certainly one of the most intense to watch as a, um, as a fan. Um, it's always a good watch. Always some, several people usually get hurt. Several fans usually get hurt as well. Uh, but also it's a famous club for like um, Maradona. It's where Maradona ended his career. It's uh, apart from Argentinos Juniors. Uh, it was his second club as well. So some fan affair with some very famous names as well. So Boca Juniors is up there for me as my third and final draft. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. I can't argue with any of your selections. I think you've done pretty well there. I mean, it's about to get blown out of the water by my next pick. But fundamentally, I think you've gone kind of chalk at every stage. And my knock on you is you've come away with three football teams. Not a lot of diversity in your selections there. You're not spreading the love. Yeah, so you're all in on football. And so in a sense, your your picks beat each other. I think that's what makes them a little bit weak, right? Is you've you've gone through the hierarchy of football almost in beads minus Bayern Munich. And, you know, we can directly see that 
your first pick is better than your than your second pick and better than your third pick. But that's that's the only knock. Well, I I had a backup pick that isn't football, but um, let's do it at the end. Might give him an honor. All right. Well, mention. I'm about to blow. As I said, I'm about to blow you out of the water. You wanted to know. I I'm drafting what it was like to be me at eight years old. And on that basis, my third and final pick will be the Salt Lake Bees, the minor league baseball team. At the time I was living there, they were known as the Salt Lake Buzz, which keeps the bee going. Oh <laughs> he knows his draft has just exploded. <laughs> like it is they, gone. Just, I might as well draft bottom of the They are a minor league affiliate of the LA Angels. They've never won a title. They do, however, <laughs> they do, however, have the largest stadium in their league. Uh, they were previously a minor so league affiliate. Of the, stadium size? They were previously a minor league. Also, come on. Although it's officially known as Smith's Ballpark, it is affectionately known to the fans as the Apiary. I mean, just think of how clever that is for a team called the Bees. Now, it's minor league baseball, so it's defined by the caliber of player that has passed through the in, in the system. And in the case of the Salt Lake Bees, that includes David Ortiz, Tory Hunter, Tim Linscombe, Howie Kendrick, and probably the most notable of all, Mike Tr- and Mike more. Trout, <laughs> maybe the greatest baseball player of all time, the highest paid baseball ever heard of him, the highest paid baseball player of all time. So you know what I mean? It's it's a little bit of a left field to use a, a baseball term, but uh, you know I think the bees rightfully deserve their place alongside the likes of Barcelona and Bayern Munich. What about Bulls and Blackburn? Are they not up with them? Not quite, <laughs> not quite, but one day. But but again, I have perfectly encapsulated my life at eight. So for me, I've won this draft. You know what? Applaud the man for the consistent line he's taken. <laughs> Didn't come into it with that plan, but thanks to the two of you pointing it out, I was able to establish it. Well, I'm glad you went minor league because my last pick, I, I dipped into the, the farm systems as well. I did not go baseball. I stuck with hockey. And my last pick to round out the letter B team draft is the Hershey Bears. The Hershey Bears have been playing in the American Hockey League. Sam has won this draft hands down. (laughs) This is not even close. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Since 1938, the longest continually operating member of the league still playing in the original city. So they've been there forever, almost 100 years. Who founded the Hershey Bears, you ask? Well, none other than chocolate manufacturer Milton S. Hershey. He one day said, you know what? We need to have hockey here in Hershey where I make my chocolate, so I'm going to start a team. So he started his own team called the, the Milton Hershey Hockey Club, which then turned into the Hershey Bears. Originally, they would call themselves the Bars. B apostrophe A R S like a Hershey bar. Yeah, I got and, it. And I, said, I got that people, one. I could. It wasn't. I, it wasn't. I, it didn't, Sam didn't get it. If <laughs> you saw Sam's face, he no, didn't get I, it. I, 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 I didn't need to get it to understand what's going on here. But people said it was too corny to be called the Bars, so they just switched it officially to the Bears. Eddie made a good point that the 
what makes a minor league team great is the players that come through. Well, Gordie Howe, arguably the greatest hockey player of all time, is quoted as saying, everybody who is anybody in hockey has played in Hershey. So there you go. They are the stereotypical a lot of AHL. They have also won 11 Calder Cups, which is the trophy for the AHL. That's the most out of any team. And they've been in 23 finals, also the most out of any team. They lose more than they so win. So I'm taking, yeah, but you know what? Still won 11 more times than the buzz did in baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the bees now, right? They're not the buzz anymore. But, the, you know, Sorry, it's just, bees. yeah, just look, I got Come you. On. How many clubs were started by a chocolatier? Uh, isn't there one in Manchester, like Bourneville? Yeah, I'm sure there's a few. Uh, was... I'm sure if we, I don't know the chocolate industry <laughs> really? that well, but I'm sure there's more than you'd think. But um, look, it's an okay pick. You went on history, but you lose because, like, you know, you, oh, wow, they were founded, what do you say, 1936? Blackburn founded in 1875. You know, wow, they've never moved. You know, who hasn't moved either? Barcelona. Blackburn Rovers, Bayern Munich, you know, basically everyone we chose before them. So I'm not giving them credit for having remained in the same spot for quite a long time. But uh, yeah, Sam won this draft. I'm I'm going to declare him the winner. <laughs> I'm not, I, I have don't no, think Sam won. I, I think I, I, I won that draft. I think I won week one, but it was it's a contest that needs to be decided by the listeners because it was definitely close. And I think he could have made an argument for any one of us. But Sam is the... Sam is the hands-down winner. If we turn this into a horse race, <laughs> he's never gone off the bridle, and the two of us are just viciously beating away at our horses like 35 <laughs> lengths back. No, 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 no. Don't even put me in your category. You didn't even get out okay, of the stalls. Okay, Frank. <laughs> you, Frank, in a race with Frankel, I'm Frankel. You're maybe like Excelebration. And no, Eddie's that's, that's too kind. No, 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 no. <laughs> he picked a minor league hockey team no one's heard of. That's not, you cannot throw him in. So you picked a minor league baseball team that's never even won. And I'm admitting that my draft was bad. You're trying to defend yours. <laughs> to Your be reason fair, for you. one of my, one of my um, other clubs was going to be someone that's liquidated now. So I'm glad I didn't have to bring him up. But my one non-footballing team was the Bradford. I considered throwing the Bradford balls in there. But even by rugby league standards, they're not that uh, that big of a deal. No, they just had... They just had that like late nineties, early noughties. Oh dominance. my god, not the but, not the know, fucking noughties, Sam. Again. Good God, <laughs> you know what, Sam? You've now you know lost the funny? draft. <laughs> I just, you know what's funny? I just looked at my notes and I've written there. See, I said okay. it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just going to say this now. The, You've been disqualified. You haven't been disqualified, but but you, the league, the best teams beginning with the letter blank league. It's a catchy name, but if you say the naughties again, you will be docked a future draft pick. That is the punishment that you will receive. Wow. Are we going to introduce trading as well then? Can we like no, because everyone would trade me for the bees. People's picks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't even make the argument. Their name is literally the letter we were drafting. I mean, not spelt. It's spelt B E E S, like the like the the insect, but. It is the bee. They are the bees. You can't get better. But, but they're not the bars. <laughs> now that's terrible. 
That's great. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm really, really glad I that a mediocre that. chocolate company has helped found a really crappy hockey team. Me- whoa, whoa, mediocre chocolate company. I mean, su- they run the show in America. No, they're extremely successful, but they don't make great chocolate. It's it, oh. it's true. Like success and mediocrity aren't the same. Are you really? Oh, so we're going head All to I head. And is- let's go. Chocolate Giants, Cadbury's, Cadbury's. Nestle, and uh, Hershey's. Hershey's is third. It's not close. But what 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 are you comparing? Chocolate, Chocolate. the taste <laughs> that I'm sticking in my mouth <laughs> and eating yeah, it. Yeah, but but that's yeah. And, okay, so that's different though. What I'm also saying though is Hershey makes a ton of different like bars and things like that, like Hershey candy. There's a lot of different candies. <laughs> Besides just Hershey chocolate. Yeah, but I mean, okay, uh, let's open it up to the, the all candy style things. Because Cadbury's also makes candies that wouldn't necessarily fall exclusively into the chocolate category. Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups, game over. No. Overrated. Only Americans really like them. We don't need peanut butter and everything. Me, like shit. Yeah, that's because that's you're bland and boring. Shit chocolate <laughs> with some peanut butter doesn't make it mind-blowing. Twizzlers, Mounds, Almond Joy, York Peppermint Patties, Kit Kats. <laughs> you're, you're, wait, Kit Kats. Wait, a peppermint patty. It's yeah, Kit Kats are made by Hershey's. What about the Kit Kat is Nestle? <laughs> the Kit Kat is made by Hershey. It might be like licensed. Oh no! It, it, in the U.S. It's 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 global. It's globally Nestle in the United States. It's Hershey. There you go. Hershey wins. <laughs> no, but you're not right. <laughs> so most of the world considers it a Nestle product. And it was created by uh, Roundtree in the United Kingdom, which was acquired by Nestle. And Roundtree do great candy or sweets. Including Kit Kats. Fruit pastels. Kit Kats. Jolly Cat Ranchers. Ooh. <laughs> when's the last time? No, no. When's the last time you had a Jolly Rancher? Because you know the last time I had a Jolly Rancher was probably when I was at a Salt Lake Bees game. So like, tell me, tell me the last time you really had one. Uh, I had Jolly Rancher um, jelly beans for Easter. What the fuck? That's not the whole concept of a Jolly Rancher is the hardness. Wait, Jolly Rancher is a company? I just thought they did one. No, thing. it's obviously a spinoff. Like, wait, it's like a spinoff. Yeah. But like it's it's as if you've taken the thing that defines you and your spin-off is to complete like the complete opposite. <laughs> Wait, but just getting into this now, Cadbury are sold under Hershey in the United States. So therefore Hershey also has Cadbury. Well uh, didn't didn't craft by <laughs> Cadbury. I mean, this is the thing is I'm I'm not trying to take them as you know, it's it, the the, the global Yes, you're right. The Hershey chocolate. The chocolate itself is not a good. The chocolate. global no, but I, I'm I'm allowing other things under the Hershey Hershey's chocolate umbrella. But the the global chocolate world is very incestuous. So we're we're gonna struggle once we start trying to say like which company gets credit for each thing. But fundamentally, it's like car manufacturers, right? There's that moment where they're kind of all only owned by like three major groups, but. We all know what a Cadbury's product is, and we all know what a Hershey's product is, and Cadbury's wins. 
Come on, Frank. You've had a cream egg. It's the best. <laughs> no, I'll take any like ever, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Mm-hmm. Over. Cadbury's mini eggs. Literally, I'd I'd murder someone for some Cadbury's mini eggs. That seems a little outrageous. You know, you know that they're not you know, that Eddie, They're still readily available. They're in readily your country, available. not you in mine, have Sam. To kill people. And now yeah. we're at war. And there's the podcast gone round to the yeah, start. No, not not readily available. And for a long time, right? They were only available at Easter. It's only in fairly recent times that they've been a, turned into a year-round thing. Well, there we go. That's sufficient food talk for those who have been listening to the podcast and missed our food conversations. Considering that the last all those crying out for more soup, yeah. Juice. Considering that the last couple of episodes have been exclusively sport, but, uh, but yeah. Any other uh, topics that need to be brought up before we say goodbye? No, Not for me, it's pretty good. We'll let we'll let the fans decide who won our B draft. We know Sam won it. Let's just be honest. I'm not. I'm not crowning. I don't know why you have so much. I'm not crown. I'm not someone who would happily admit defeat. But I've. I've definitely lost this one, and Sam definitely won. He needs. He needs the victory. He's come on, Frank. He's. He's. He's yeah. desperately <laughs> clinging to the what idea. That, the idea that Arsenal might finish in the top half next season. So let him. Let him win this fictional draft. All right. Fine. Thank you, Eddie. All right, well, I'll talk to you boys later. See ya.